Welcome back as we continue our study, Lessons in Obedience, looking through the book of Esther. We uh, went through the first lesson in Esther yesterday, last week, um, and we saw the king Ahasuerus throw a couple of feasts, uh, one that lasted 180 days, and then uh, seven days after that, another one for seven days. At the end of the second feast, uh, king Ahasuerus requested that his queen Vashti uh, come and present herself before the before the court, before the, the men at the feast, and to show off her beauty, and, and the queen refused. She rebelled, and uh, it made the king angry. And that's where we're going to pick up today is uh, Esther chapter 1 and verse number 13. Uh, we're going to see uh, the repercussions of Vashti's uh, rebellion and disobedience. So Esther chapter 1 and verse number 13, and the Bible says, Then the king said, to the wise men which knew the times, for so was the king's manner toward all that knew law and judgment. And the next unto him was Karshina, Sether, Admatha, Tarshish, Mires, Marcina, and Memucan, the seven princes of Persia and Media, which saw the king's face, and which sat the first in the kingdom. What shall we do unto the queen Vashti according to the law, because she hath not performed the commandment of the king Ahasuerus by the chamberlains? And Mimucan answered before the king and the princes, Vashti the queen hath not done wrong to the king only, but also to all the princes and to all the people that are in all the provinces of the king Ahasuerus. For this deed of the queen shall come abroad unto all women, so that they shall despise their husbands in their eyes when it shall be reported. The king Ahasuerus commanded Vashti the queen to be brought in before him, but she came not. Likewise shall the ladies of Persia and Media say, this day unto all the king's princes which have heard of the deed of the queen. Thus shall there arise too much contempt and wrath. If it please the king, let there go a royal commandment from, the, from him, and let it be written among the laws of the Persians and the Medes, that it be not altered, that Vashti come no more before king Ahasuerus, and let the king give her royal estate unto another that is better than she. And when the king's decree which he shall make shall be published throughout all his empire, for it is great, all the wives shall give their husbands honor, both uh, to great and small. And the saying pleased the king and the princes, and the king did according to the word of Mamukin. For he sent letters into all the king's provinces, into every province according to the writing thereof, and to every people after their language, that every man should bear rule in his own house, and that it should be published according to the language of every people. Let's pray. Father God, again, we come to you this morning so grateful that you've left your word for us. Lord, that you've given us uh, truth and perfect truth. Lord, I pray today that you would help us to hear and understand that truth, that it would uh, change and mold our lives, that we would become uh, the men and women that you would have us to be. Lord, that we would be your servants uh, willingly and lovingly. Lord, that we would take your light to the world so God, please guide and direct tonight, today. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So there's rebellion in the house. The queen has betrayed her king. She's refused without hesitation uh, to obey the command of the king. And in this way, she's a picture of all of us. Whether it be through ignorance or direct outright rebellion, we still disobey God regularly. Remember, ignorance is not an excuse. Uh, as we were working on projects yesterday, 
driving around. I was letting Wyatt drive, get some experience, and um, we came through a little uh, little town of Huxley over here, and the speed limit changes pretty drastically. Um, if he had been speeding and gotten pulled over, uh, and he, the police officer came up and knocked on the window, you know, why have I pulled you over? Well, I don't know. And he said, well, you're speeding. Well, I didn't see the speed limit sign. It's not an excuse. He was still breaking the law. Um, granted, he goes about 15 miles an hour under the speed limit, so it's kind of hard for him to break the law. He, he drove on the interstate for the first time yesterday. Um, I think I lost about 10 years off of my life. But anyway, ignorance is not an excuse. But we rarely stop and think before we act. Vashti uh, just immediately, without hesitation, refused to obey the king. She didn't want to do it. And we went over some of the reasons why this could be last week. It could be that, that she didn't want to uh, disobey another law that had been made, that she had to present herself. She couldn't present, uh, be, she had to be completely covered in front of anyone other than her husband. It could be that she was in the middle of a feast for the women and she didn't want to leave her duties as host. And it could be that she was just tired of the king's shenanigans after half a year of feasting, that she was just tired of it and didn't want to listen to him. But in any case, she just refused. Often, we don't consider the consequences until we're, we're facing them. Uh, it's only after we get hurt many, many, many times that we begin to evaluate ahead of time what happens. Uh, I know that uh, in my life, I have gotten to the age now where I've started to really look at the things that I do and decide, is this going to physically cause me harm um you know some of the things that i i wouldn't have thought twice of when i was these guys' age now i have to stop and think but in the rest of our life how often do we just act do we do we just do something and not look ahead more than just immediate consequences look at what's coming ahead uh, again we i think we talked about this last week a little bit but uh if we knew ahead of time that in 10 years, uh, you know, we were going to be in a car accident and we were going to, you know, have all of this happen in our lives, we wouldn't do anything. We, we would make sure we weren't in that place at that time to be in that car accident. But how often, how often do we do something? Uh, I, I think about um, driving the truck and all the times that we've been left on the side of the road just simply because I didn't do proper maintenance. I didn't check the tires. I didn't check the lug nuts or whatever to prevent something from happening. And now days, months, years down the road, something's broken and we're paying the consequences for it. It's no different with the things that we do regarding God. We refuse you know you get up in the morning and hit the snooze button or you know your alarm goes off in the morning and you hit the snooze five or six times and now all of a sudden you're 20 minutes late and you don't have time to get up and, and spend time with God or get up and and have some time of prayer and your whole day is just just trashed all because you wanted a few more minutes of sleep and how that affects your mood throughout the rest of the day and how that affects your interactions with everybody that you're around little things. Now Vashti, on the other hand, she knew the, the consequences of disobeying the king. She knew that 
she very much could have been put to death for this rebellion. But she still chose to rebel. The thing I want you to see is her reaction. I'm going to skip ahead just a little bit. There's a bunch uh, more that we need to go through in the chapter, but when you get all the way to verse number 22, the last part of this chapter, it says for the, the king, Ahasuerus, where he sent letters into all the king's provinces and to every province according to the writing thereof and to every people after their language that every man should bear rule in his own house and then it should be published according to the language of every people. And then chapter number two starts, After these things, when the wrath of King Ahasuerus was appeased, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what was decreed against her. Throughout that whole chapter, we never see Vashti's reaction. We don't actually see, God doesn't take us through them removing her from the palace, stripping her of her, her apparel, her, her royal apparel, and casting her out on her rear end with nothing but the clothes on her back. We don't actually see that, but we also don't see her arguing and begging and pleading. She just simply disappears. And I think there's something very important in all of this to understand is that wasn't, while that's not part of the story, it is part of the story, but it's not part of the story that God wants us to see, it's also a picture of what needs to be our reaction in our lives as we go through our lives. And to clear this up a little bit, I want you to think about Job. In Job chapter 2, <clears throat> uh, which way do I need to go? Job chapter 2, just a few pages back. Job chapter 2 and verses 9 and 10. Now remember, in Job chapter 1, God allowed Satan to tempt Job. He allowed Satan to take everything that Job had, his family, his children. Of course, he left Job's wife, but his children, his wealth, everything. And then in the beginning of Job chapter 2, God allows Satan to touch Job's health. And, and he gives him boils to where in verse number 8, he's taking uh, scraps of, pot, of pottery and scraping the boils to try and get them to heal, to, to give himself some relief. But in verse number 9, Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity, curse God, and die? But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speak speaketh what shall we what shall we receive good at the hand of god and shall we not receive evil and all this did not job sin with his with his lips job who by every right by by everything we understand of job he was perfect and upright he, he eschewed evil he sacrificed to god even when he didn't need to sacrifice job was a righteous and moral man yet god allowed satan to punish him for no reason other than to show Job's righteousness and morality. And Job, in all of this, just took it. He, he didn't whine and complain. It's, it's not until his three friends come along and, and nag and nag and nag and nag, and he finally begins to, to break and become prideful. But Job just sat there. And then you contrast Jonah. We went through Jonah as we started this Lessons in Obedience series. We started in the book of Jonah. And 
we watch Jonah as, as God tells him to do something and he immediately disobeys and, and goes and gets on the ship and, and when the storm comes, he requests to be thrown overboard and when God prepares the fish to swallow him, he, he prays to God and, and just, God, I'm so sorry, I've messed up. I, I, you know, I can't die. And God brings him back and sends him to Nineveh and then, <clears throat> excuse me, and then he goes to Nineveh and he, he preaches that weak message of yet 40 days and the Lord will, will overthrow Nineveh. And then he goes and he sits and watches and waits for Nineveh to be destroyed. And when God doesn't destroy Nineveh, he throws a pity party and, and begins to, to be angry with God because, God, I told you, this is what I told you when you told me, that, that, that you were merciful, that, that you would do this. And he gets angry with God and he throws a fit. All because he's being punished. Remember, God raised the gourd up to give him give him relief and then he brought the worm to destroy the gourd and the next day and, and he begins to faint like he's going to die again. And he's, he's mad about the gourd because he didn't deserve for the gourd to die and he needed the, the shade. We don't see that here. Our ultimate example is Christ. Christ, uh, as he's going through all of that, that scourging and, and the crucifixion and, and everything, not only does he not say, I'm innocent, not only does he not uh, beg and plead for his life, but he prays for those that are doing the damage. He willingly suffered. Job, Job was patient. This is, this is the perfect contrast of patience and long-suffering. Job was patient. Job had no power to change his circumstances. Christ was long-suffering because Christ had every power to change his circumstances, and yet he willingly went. Vashti here, the queen, she fades away without even a whimper. Could be that she's just happy to be alive, and but I think that's an important lesson for us in how we react when we we know and we, we know we're disobeying God. When we know that God is punished punishing us because we've disobeyed. We need to understand that God's ways are higher than our ways. That everything he does, he does for a purpose, for a reason. Romans 8.28, For all things work together for good to them that know God, to them that are called according to His purpose. All things. So if they're all for our good, then we need to accept and understand and seek God's face. But back to the beginning of where we started, there's wrath in the house. God, Esther has rebelled and, and now the king is angry. King Ahasuerus cannot stand to be disobeyed. This makes him very wroth and his anger burns within him. He's so angry that he can't even think straight and he's got to rely on, on his uh, wise men to figure out what to do, to decide on a punishment. This is another example of why he cannot possibly be a picture of God. Because God does not act hastily out of anger. Everything that God does, God does for a reason. It's never in haste. He does show his wrath, but his wrath doesn't drive his decision making. If his wrath 
drove his decision making, we would all be in eternity in hell right now without hope. We would have been that way from the very beginning with Adam and Eve. They would have just immediately been thrown into a lake of fire for all eternity. King Ahasuerus seeks the counsel of his seven highest princes. Now notice that these are not the same men who went to get Vashti. The Chamberlain uh, that we saw that were sent to get Vashti are are men that were, uh, often they were eunuchs, but they they are men that were uh, set over certain things inside of the palace. They were household rulers. Uh, Joseph would have been considered a Chamberlain uh, as he's working in Potiphar's house in Egypt. He was in charge of things in the house. Um, these are princes. These are people that are uh, rulers over parts of the kingdom, these seven people. Uh, and their judgment was sought often in the absence of the king by those underneath them. Or uh, as we saw with Moses, when Moses' father-in-law, Moses was sitting in judgment over all of Israel and Moses' father-in-law said, no, you should, you should appoint judges over the little things and they should bring you the big things. This is kind of the same setup. But the king is seeking, what should we do? What, what can we do to Vashti since she's been disobedient, since she's rebelled against the king's command? What does the law say? Yet another example of why he couldn't be a picture of God. Because he doesn't know. He doesn't know his own kingdom. He, doesn't, he has to seek counsel in order for his, to order his affairs. God is all-powerful. God is all-wise. God, God is the ruler of all, the creator of all. God doesn't need us. Don't ever forget that. He doesn't need us. He chooses to use us. And Mimucan, one of the princes, answers the king, well, Vashti hasn't done this rebellion to the king alone, but to all men. She's setting a precedent. You know, it's interesting here that uh, his first thought is not that we need to take care of the king, but what is this? How is this going to affect all of us? We see some some selfishness here. Uh, his first thought is not to help just the king, but what can we do to help all of us? She's an example for all the women in the kingdom. She's setting a precedent. they fear that every woman in the kingdom is going to see this rebellion of Vashti and if nothing is done, they're going to follow suit. And oh, how right they are. I mean, if you look at our world today, not just the women in our world, but our world completely, we blindly follow the majority. And the majority is so far from God, we couldn't, they couldn't see him ever. Yet, that's where we go. The world is full of a spirit of rebellion and disdain for God, and, and it's crept into even our churches. We no longer hold even good independent Baptist churches that claim that this is their sole authority no longer hold this as their sole authority. 
they, they don't want to see God's clear teaching and simple truth and act on it. They want to muddy it. They want to make it gray. They want to, oh, it could be this, it could be this. It's plain and simple truth. We must understand that children learn far more from what we do than what we say. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how many times I tell my boys or my daughter to do the right thing. If I'm not walking the talk, they're going to learn from my, my hypocrisy. They're going to learn from the bad things that they see me do in my life and follow them instead of the good things that I tell them to do. These princes understood this and that this was just the tip of the iceberg. And if this rebellion wasn't punished swiftly and fully, chaos would be right around the corner. Something I noticed this morning as we were were singing and I was looking through this again Verse number 18, and this this just strikes me as funny, the last part of verse number 18. It says, Likewise shall the ladies of Persia and Media say this day unto all the king's princes, which have heard of the deed of the queen, thus shall there arise too much contempt and wrath. Like they're okay with a little bit of contempt and wrath, but they don't want too much. Another example of how this could never be an example of God. Because God wants peace. He is the Prince of Peace. He doesn't want contempt and wrath. He wants love and loyalty. But they, they, they've decided Vashti needs to be removed. Vashti's punishment was to be swift and full indeed. She was to be removed as queen and forgotten from the palace. She was cast out and left on her own. Now this, remember, this might seem like a harsh punishment for this, but this rebellion is punishable by death. When we read through this, we're going to read through here in a couple of chat, a couple of days, a couple of weeks. We're going to read through and we're going to see Mordecai... Um, after Esther has been made queen, Mordecai is going gonna, is gonna to tell Esther of a plot that he hears of, of the, from the two men that are guarding the door, that they're going to try and overthrow and kill the king. And the king is going to, to have them hung. That's rebellion. They want to rebel against the king. There's no difference between what they're doing and what Vashti is doing, yet we see, we as a people, see a huge difference. We look at it and say, well, she just simply disobeyed. They were trying to kill the king. Well, disobedience is where it starts. Just like today, we would look at the world and say, well, you know, I'm, I'm not a murderer. I've never killed anybody. I, I might tell a little white lie every once in a while, but I've never killed anybody. Why do I deserve punishment? Well, we deserve much more punishment than we actually get. We understand from Romans that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. We understand from the book of James that, that if, you've, if you've sinned on one account, if you've kept the whole law but, but failed in one, one point, you're guilty of all. 
I, I've said it before, and it, it's something I heard a pastor in Ohio say, and he says, don't worry, you're, you're twice as bad as you think you are. Well, I, I think it's more like you're at least ten times worse than you think you are. Rebellion is rebellion. It's punishable by death. She's being shown grace and mercy here in the fact that she's just being removed. Go with me to Deuteronomy 21. This is a... This is a special uh, passage to me. This is uh, what it took uh, for Wyatt, actually, to understand his need for a Savior. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 21. And verse number 18. The Bible says, If a man have a stubborn and rebellious son, which will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and that when they have chastened him will not hearken unto him, then shall his father and his mother lay hold on him and bring him out unto the elders of the city and unto the gate of his palace, of his place. And they shall say unto the elders of the city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. We will not obey, he will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. And all the men of his city shall stone him with stones that he die. So shalt thou put evil away from among you. And all Israel shall hear and fear. Or how about... 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel 15. Just after Ruth. 1 Samuel 15 and verse number 23. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness as, is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. This is uh, Samuel speaking to Saul as he's rebelled against the king and he's uh, rebelled against Samuel. He's offered the offering on his own. But it applies to us as well. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is like idolatry. These are all punishable by death. In God's eyes, the sin of rebellion is worth nothing less than death. In the case of, of Vashti, the judgment was swift. She's guilty of rebellion against the king, and Vashti is removed from her, from her position as the queen and removed from the palace. And the decree was published throughout all the provinces under the king Ahasuerus' rule. So that all would know what would befall them if they chose to rebel against the king. I think there are a few men that we're going to talk about in a couple lessons that should have taken heed to this. But for now, we need to be thankful that God is long-suffering. Again, Ahasuerus, in his wrath, made a hasty decision and removed Vashti. And, and I believe... As we get into chapter 2, it says that he, chapter 2 and verse number 1, that he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what was decreed against her. Verse number 2, Then said the king's servants that ministered unto him, Let there be fair young virgins sought for the king. I believe that they saw 
a sadness in the king as he thought about Vashti and what she had meant to him and his haste and his wrath. And I believe that he regretted what he was doing. But it couldn't be changed. God is not like that. God God is long-suffering, but he's only long-suffering for so long. He's seen fit not to cast us out, but to send his son to pay the price. Very soon, we're going to talk about it tonight as we go through the book of John and and we, we see Christ teaching in the temple again, but very soon, that chance is going to be over. The rapture is going to happen. The Holy Spirit is going to remove, be removed from this earth. And everyone that has had the opportunity to know and understand who Christ is and to accept Him for salvation is going to be blinded and never going to have that opportunity again. During the tribulation and the millennial reign, only those that are born during that time that have never had the opportunity are going to be able to accept salvation. And if they don't, then at the end of that time, they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. The difference here is God will have no regrets. The king regretted what he had done. God will not. Because God in His holiness has given us every opportunity. He's given us every correction. He's been a loving Father to those that didn't love Him. This story here while I believe that Ahasuerus is a picture of, of Satan himself, the relationship of a husband and a wife ties directly to the relationship of Christ and the church. Ephesians 5. Galatians, Ephesians... Ephesians 5.23 For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. While God is not mentioned in the book of Esther, he's barely alluded to in the fact that they fast uh, as they're seek as they're 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 looking at being destroyed as Esther and the Jews are looking at being destroyed she asked them to fast this is the only time that God is alluded to throughout this but the examples given should be evident for us if the interaction between a husband and a wife is like the interaction between Christ and the church. We are the church. Those that are saved, we are the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. We need to learn from these so that we don't make the same mistakes.
to seek God and seek His will and not be disobedient. Even in ignorance, not be disobedient. We have no excuse for not knowing the mind of God. It's right here between these pages. The whole mind of God is right here. Every question that you will ever have of God, He's answered right here. We have no excuse for not knowing what the answer is. 